Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 120 In my distress I cried to the Lord, that she may answer me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe is me that I am an alien in Mesek, that I must live among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Ezra, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, in order that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished, the Lord stirred up the spirit of King Cyrus of Persia, so that he sent a herald throughout all his kingdom, and also in a written edict declared, Thus says the King Cyrus of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem and Judah. Any of those among you who are his people, may their God be with him, and are now permitted to go up to to Jerusalem and Judah and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. And let all survivors in whatever place they reside be assisted by the people of their place with silver and gold with goods and with animals, besides free will offerings for the house of God in Jerusalem. The heads of the families of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose spirit God had stirred, got ready to go up and rebuild the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. All the neighbors aided them with silver vessels, with gold, with goods, with animals, and with valuable gifts, besides all that was freely offered. King Cyrus himself brought out the vessels of the house of the Lord that Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem and placed them in the house of his gods. King Cyrus of Persia then released them into the charge of Mithridath, the treasurer who who counted them out to Sheshbazar, the the prince of Judah. And this was the inventory. Gold basins, 30. Silver basins, 1,000. Knives, 29. Gold bowls, 30. Other silver bowls, 410 other vessels 1,000. The total of the gold and silver vessels was 5,400. All these Sheshbazar brought up when the exiles were brought up from from Babylonia to Jerusalem. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 12 through 19. Indeed, this is our boast, the testimony of our conscience. We have behaved in the world with frankness and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God and all the more toward you. For we write you nothing other than what you can read and also understand. I hope you will understand until the end, as you have already understood us in part, that on the day the Lord Jesus, that on the day of the Lord Jesus, we are our boast, even as you are our boast. Since I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first, that you might have a double favor. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia, and to come back to you from Macedonia, and have you send me to Judea. Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to ordinary human standards, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? As surely as God is faithful, our word is 
to you has been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. Good morning and welcome to the sixth Tuesday after Epiphany. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Walkersville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 120, Ezra 1, and 2 Corinthians 1. And the the reading from the Old Testament um, reminded me of um, you know the the story of the high priest Joshua, who oversaw the rebuilding of the temple after exile, um, when the king of Persia, which we hear about here, um, not just allowed it, but encouraged it, and even sent uh, some support um, to to be able to do that. Um, and we know from this account that some of the things Babylonia had melted down and uh, lost forever, um, including, I think, the Ark of the Covenant. We don't know where it went. It was carried off into exile um, in the sixth f- century BCE. Um, and here we we hear that when it, they return, that the Ark isn't mentioned. Um, a lot of things are missing. Um, but what catches my eye even more is um, the the kind of heart with which this temple was built. So the 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 tabernacle, God elects to have built for him, and he gives spe- specific information how to do it. You know, how many cubits wide and how many cubits long. What's it covered by? And then when David proposes to build. Uh, the temple, a permanent dwelling place for God. Um, it's David's idea, but because he's a warrior, he's not allowed to build it. it. That honor will go to his son, Solomon. And when Solomon does build it, he employs slave labor, not Israelites, but you know, other slave labor. Um, he also builds it smaller than his own palace. And he does it using... Uh, he he builds it by importing wood and other materials from outside Israel. And so there's this ambiguity around the temple and, and whose idea was it and why is it being built and under what auspices it's being built compared to the tabernacle, which was built by spirit-filled artisans. And so fast forward to the second temple. They have all this reason to rejoice. They're going back to Jerusalem. And they get to rebuild, and it almost mirrors the building of the tabernacle. It wasn't really their idea. It was the king of Persia's idea, and it wasn't to curry favor with them. Persia just had a different way of governing, um, something closer to Rome, but better than Rome, um, in that there are provinces and, and districts and territories that they oversee, that send them tribute. Um, I, I would have to double-check to be sure, but I I am confident that Persia demanded and got tribute from the Israelites. So tribute and taxes, those aren't the problem. It's how they're exercised and to what ends they go. But anyway, so here, when they're getting ready to build the second temple, uh, Joshua's temple, if you know the first was named after the person who oversaw it, Solomon, the second one, 
should be called Joshua's temple because that's who oversaw it. Joshua the high priest, son of Jehozadak. Jehozadak. It varies, but anyway. And when they do, all the heads of the families and the priests, they went up to do it, and their neighbors even aided them with silver and gold and other goods and animals and valuable gifts. It was all freely offered. And that sounds a whole lot like the tabernacle, much more so than the first temple. And so it's almost a redemption of the temple um, in that it was participatory, it was collective, it was joy-filled, and it was done with the support of their, not oppressors, but certainly superordinates. Like Persia still, they were part of Persia. Zerubbabel was an Israelite, but he answered directly to Persia. He was the governor who came back with Joshua the high priest, and he was selected to be the governor of Yehuda Medinata. That was the Persian name for the province of Israel. Um, and so he was he was like Pilate, um, but he was an Israelite. He wasn't Persian. And so there are some subtle differences between the situation they found themselves following the exile under Persia, just like they're under Rome, but they had more autonomy, they had more freedom. I don't, freedom is a complicated word, but they had more, there was more flourishing and there was more self-determination that they enjoyed under Persia compared with Rome. Um, and Rome before the Great Revolt was relatively hands-off, relatively. There were some people who did some screwed up shit, but they typically were doing it in their own self-interest, like Titus when he goes through and um, no, no, I'm, I'm sorry, not Titus. I'm having a brain fart. Um, when was it Valerius who set up an, an eagle in the in the in the temple? Like he wasn't doing that on orders of Rome. Most of the the desecrations occurred because of you know kind of arrogant, narcissistic individual actors with their military forces. Rome Rome didn't have wasn't incentivized to do that. Just like Persia, it's not incentivized to piss people off. Babylon had one way of doing things, Persia had another, and Rome had yet another way of doing things. Um, And so having someone above you is not the problem so much as what that person or entity above you does to ensure your flourishing or to inhibit it. Um, And even underneath, uh, even being a client kingdom underneath Persia, the Israelites still could be filled with the kind of joy and offering that they are meant to uh, represent and express and and do the things that they are called to do. Um, and so there is precedent for being a subordinate uh, kingdom underneath a secular world power. So that was never the problem. The problem was what those powers did, how they did it, and whether or not that inhibited the Israelites' worship of God. Um, and now Jesus changes that. We are no longer subordinate, but that can, that can be kind of confusing because we, we become the arrogant overseers. Um, I won't get into that, but I did think that it was important to point out the parallels between the original tabernacle and the second temple, Joshua's temple, as it contrasts with the political situation uh, with the first temple and 
also underneath, you know, as residents of, of Babylon. A prayer for sound government from the Book of Common Prayer. O Lord, our governor, bless the leaders of our land that we may be a people at peace among ourselves and a blessing to other nations of the earth. Teach our people to rely on your strength and to accept their responsibilities to their fellow citizens, that they may elect trustworthy leaders and make wise decisions for the well-being of our society, that we may serve you faithfully in our generation and honor your holy name. For yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with Pew Pew HQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.